0: Last year's banking crisis was as much about collateral as it was deposit flight. As such, key vulnerabilities remain in the global system, not just U.S. regional banks, that we might have to deal with should we experience other periods of stress and strain. And you don't have to take my word for it about this. Even though I told you at the time this was a key factor, we have a report from a quasi-official institution, the G30, from just last week, that first of all admitted the key role that collateral played in making the crisis into the crisis it became. And then after citing the deficiencies in central bank policies, their ineffectiveness as lender of last resort, the report then recommends that central banks be given a larger role in preventing future crises of the same level, given them a larger role in collateral. That was the bombshell. There was a response by the Bank Policy Institute also from last week that said, yes, Indeed, collateral was a huge problem here. And no, you're absolutely effing insane if you think that central banks should have a greater role in collateral. But because this is such a key problem that keeps coming up time and time again, really going back 16 years to the original monetary crisis, which was really a collateral shortage, officials are dragged kicking and screaming toward the light of truth about how collateral is such a key crucial part of monetary economics in the global reserve system which is euro dollar not dollar the question we have here is do we focus on individual institutions and maybe the collateral they have on their balance sheet or should we look more broadly at the potential vulnerabilities and possible points of failure of the system itself unfortunately Because we're doing this slowly and incrementally, officials only look at individual institutions rather than realizing the fuller, broader truth to it. Now, as I said last year, and you go back in any of the videos that I put out here on YouTube or anything I wrote about, the most interesting aspect of the March and April 2023 banking crisis wasn't the deposit flight, it was the lack of ability of these various institutions to do something about it, to manage their liquidity through the options that are always available. You see an unexpected deposit outflow, take some collateral, go into the repo market. If you don't have collateral the repo market wants, find some collateral you do have and transform it into usable stuff. So as Silicon Valley Bank wasn't really about deposit flight. It was about why didn't they go into the repo market from in some way, shape, or form? Why didn't they go to the discount window? And that's what the G30 report says. It starts out with recognizing that the three U.S. banks that failed, well, here's what they wrote. The three banks were not able to access the discount window on time and in sufficient scale in March, largely because they could not mobilize the eligible collateral rapidly enough. Again, as I said, this is a G30 report, just came out last week. Bank failures and contagion, lender of last resort, liquidity and risk management. And it was written by some names that you'll recognize, certainly people who have been following this channel for a long time. The working group was chaired by none other than, get ready for this, Mr. Bill Dudley himself, former head of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, open market operations manager during the 2008 crisis. Who better to write this report than a guy who repeatedly fails upward? And he wasn't the only one. The working group also had a committee that included um, well-known names like Mohammed El-Arian, former Bank of England governor, Mervyn King, and even Cho Shao Chuan, who is the former governor of the PBOC. But you can see the problem already. We've got a bunch of former central bankers and mainstream economist types. We're talking about collateral of all things. So straight away, even though they could recognize the default defaults the and problems here, we already know they're gonna have trouble understanding the implications behind everything. I just mentioned collateral, and we at Eurodale University have just put out a report on how to spot. collateral shortage what it means and what it was back in september and october 2022 there is a link in the description of the video if you want to get your hands on this report collateral shortages what they mean and what they are but let's get into the report here let's get into what they found which sounds very familiar the study examines the gaps revealed by the 2023 failures of silicon valley bank signature bank first republic bank and credit suisse and offers potential solutions to strengthen existing regulatory architectures. Importantly, it proposes greater pre-positioning of collateral at the central bank to address bank liquidity in times of stress. This is just nuts. So what they're basically saying is the discount window was worthless because nobody had enough collateral to go to the discount window in order to borrow. That was one reason why central bankers stood there just looking all confused because there was nothing they could do. There's nothing they could do to offer a liquidity backstop that wasn't already being done in the marketplace. As I always say, repo is the lender of last resort, not the Fed. So you go to the repo market with collateral. If you've got no collateral left or you can't get it from somewhere, then what good is the Federal Reserve? And so the report goes on to criticize the lender of last resorts in these various central bank programs. Um, these failures and interventions revealed many weaknesses in banks and institutional frameworks, supervisory failures, miscalibrated regulatory requirements, weaknesses of accounting rules, and deficient lender of last resort facilities and resolution frameworks. As I always say, central banks are not lenders of last resort. They are the janitors who attempt to clean up after everything is over and then tell you how great it was that they they helped clean everything up. But see that's the thing here. When collateral is the issue, and collateral is always the issue, it's about more than just an individual institutions. What they have is, say, maybe U.S. treasuries or agency bonds on their balance sheet because collateral is a dynamic relationship. It's a dynamic systemic relationship that spans the entire global marketplace. So focusing on one individual institution and the assets it has available sort of misses the boat here, really misses the point. And, you know, continuing with the report for the failed banks, as well as many other banks, holdings of unencumbered collateral had fallen due to increasing collateralized borrowing to offset lost deposits. In the United States, much of this borrowing was notably from the federal home loan banks, which is not unusual in times of stress. And here's the thing that just makes you shake your head. FHLBs require collateral against their advances, making less collateral available for lender of last resort lending. Understand what they're saying here. The banks in the marketplace used the collateral that they did have that they could obtain in the repo market or in many cases with FHLB advances. They went to repo and the FHLB as lender of last resort before they even thought about going to the Federal Reserve. And by the time they wanted to go to the Federal Reserve, they didn't have any collateral anyway. So you have to ask, what the hell's the point here? If banks are running out of collateral, then what good is the Fed? If they had the collateral, they wouldn't go to the Fed anyway. They don't need the Fed at all. They could go into repo. The issue is the collateral, not this other stuff, not this lender of last resort. And so what do these people recommend? Their recommendation is to beef up lender of last resort uh, capacities. And the only way to do that that they can see is if by forcing banks to pre-position collateral with central banks. This just makes absolutely no friggin' sense. We're gonna force banks to put collateral with the Fed so that they make sure that in times of stress, they actually go to the Fed and not in some other ways. Instead of looking at the collateral problem as a shortage of collateral, we're gonna redistribute the collateral to central banks. This is just absolutely nuts and insane, but it goes to show how little they understand how things really work here. And that their mission here is to to prop up the Fed, not fix the actual problem. You see see what I mean about vulnerabilities remaining in the system? Let's go back to the report again. Key among the first set of reforms is a better lender of last resort system. This is a crucial and feasible reform. This is nuts. The reformed lender of last resort changes proposed here would entail banks pre positioning enough collateral to cover, after the normal haircutting for credit risk, all runnable liabilities. That is, all liabilities excluding capital, long term debt, swap liabilities, and insured deposits. Central banks would support this with an efficient collateral management system. This is nuts. Basically, you have to put all of your collateral covering all of your liabilities with the Fed, and then the Fed would, according to its bureaucratic rules, its inefficient view of the system, its inappropriate view of the system, it would then let you use this collateral in various ways that you already need to use this collateral in your daily business. This is basically insane here. We're going to put all the entire collateral system on the Fed's balance sheet because the Fed doesn't understand collateralized flow. That's basically what we're coming down to. We'd, rather than figuring out how this works and figuring out how we could actually, we might be able to make it better, let's just screw all of that. Let's just put everything on the Fed's balance sheet and leave it up to the bureaucrats to figure, to, if, if the Fed has prepositioned collateral, that will be a better system than what we have right now. This is just insane. An enhanced lender of last resort system is not a get-out-of-jail-free card for those banks with poor risk management. In fact, the opposite is true. Since the proposed lender of last resort changes penalize banks with risky funding structures by making them preposition more collateral, again, The bureaucrats are in charge, just like the capital ratios failed to prevent the first crisis, just like the the LCR, the liquidity coverage ratio, failed to prevent March and April. Now we're going to set up a new regime of bureaucratic rules about collateral because you have to surrender all your collateral to the Fed in order to do anything with it, in order to participate in the system. And then the Fed is going to efficiently give you the collateral back to do what you were doing anyway. This is just insane. See what I mean? This is bombshell recommendations. Of course, this is not official, but Bill Dudley, Mohammed El aryan Mervyn King, Chao Xiaochuan. Chuan. I mean, we're talking about some pretty big former officials here. And who's to say this report isn't going to make inroads in current official capacities? And that's of course why the Bank Policy Institute said, hold up here, this is just absolutely nuts. What the BPI said in a a brief response that it put out publicly a couple days after the G30 report was that the G30 report recognizes that central bank lending is a critical part of bank liquidity risk management. It needs to be factored into regulatory requirements and supervisor expectations for bank liquidity and that it is better for society if banks keep making loans to businesses and households that they can pledge as collateral to the discount window rather than simply requiring banks to hold ever larger stockpiles of reserves at the Fed or lend even more to the U.S. Treasury and that the entire liquidity regulation framework warrants careful review and consideration. Instead of forcing everybody to hold more liquid assets or to hold what collateral you have with the Federal Reserve and then begging the Fed for permission to use it, What the Bank Policy Institute is basically saying, the subtext here, maybe we should actually figure out how the system works first instead of just turning everything over to authorities who prove time and time again they don't know what the hell they're talking about. This is just absolutely nuts and insane. But it also is understandable from the perspective of these officials who are forced to time and again try to tell the public they have everything under control when it becomes clear they have no friggin' clue about any of this. As I always say, the Fed says we have plenty of tools to fix any problem. And then as soon as they're, they're met with the next crisis, they have to come up with a new set of tools. March and April, 2023 was absolutely no different. The problem that we have here is everyone's view of the monetary system is textbook 1930s when we have this other modern monetary, modern Euro dollar system that just doesn't work the way everyone thinks it does, including these authorities. And collateral and especially collateral flow is a huge, huge part, maybe the most important aspect, maybe behind bank balance sheet capacities, dealer balance sheet capacities, most of all, but collateral flow, which is related to dealer balance sheet capacities are the key to everything. And so March and April of 2023 was a symptom of what happens when collateral flow isn't up to what we need it to be. And so the solution isn't just put everything at the Fed. The solution is to figure out what happened specifically, what was really inhibiting collateral flow and what can we do to make it either better or scrap the whole system and start with a monetary system that actually is safe, sound and stable. Instead of just half-assing it with these band-aids that central banks are attempting to apply to repeated failures that they claim are not possible. They fix the problem and say, we're never going to have another problem. Then we have another problem. They invent new tools and say, we fixed the problem. We're never going to have another problem. And we keep repeating this process. Are you getting tired of it yet? Collateral is the key here in more ways than one. I think the one one final note on these reports from the Bank Policy Institute, they say, going forward, we agree that a fundamental reconsideration of liquidity requirements is in order because, in my words here, the liquidity requirements bear little resemblance to actual reality, to what actually happens here. As I said, the report is itself a, a, an important step because it It's the first quasi-official work that actually recognizes the role collateral played in the insufficiency of collateral in March and April of 2023. Now what we do about it and what it actually means, that's the bigger challenge. And we're reminded of that challenge because just recently we've been getting all sorts of collateral indications that suggest things are not really going all that well as it is in 2024. We had repo fails that surged for three weeks. We had December 20th, where you had 350 billion repo fails. You had more than 400 billions at the final week in December. You had still more than 350 billion the first week in January before the situation, as far as repo fails are concerned, finally calmed down in the second week. And we saw that in the marketplace with interest rate swaps and swap spreads. Swap spreads went nuclear during this same period we saw repo fail spike. But we've seen swap spreads really being depressed going back to August and, and really September. But the real problem here is that we're depending upon things like repo fails, which are not all that dependable, and interest rate swap spreads that aren't supposed to tell us all about collateral because we don't have any information that we should have at our fingertips. Because officials and central bankers have been trying to lull the public into sleep by giving them bank reserves and QEs that have nothing to do with anything in the monetary system, we don't have the information that we should have. We really need in order to make better judgments and, and uh, better, better assessments of the collateral system and its condition. Federal Reserve actually collects from the big dealers, and it tells them a lot of information about how dealer balance sheets treat collateral, where they're sourcing it, where it's going, all of that stuff, but they won't give anyone access to it, and nor will they actually use it to understand how important and critical all these things are and where the vulnerabilities remain. So the the G30, Bill Dudley, all these officials say, yeah, you know what, collateral was a big problem March and April of 2023, and to do something about it, we're gonna recommend that everyone take all their collateral and just put it with the central bank. Now I'm oversimplifying a bit here and I'm being a little bit hyperbolic, but that's really the solution. And they're saying that the solution they're proposing, and they're saying that while the central banks will will be more efficient in relending the collateral back into the system, does anyone actually believe that? This does not solve the problem. It will guaranteed make it a ton worse. So let's hope that nobody takes this report too seriously, at least the recommendations, and instead focuses on the first part, the importance of collateral. Availability isn't just what's on your balance sheet. It's systemic operation and flow. It's always about flow. Collateral is something that Jim Rickards and I touched on in our recent conversation in the context of LTCM, but also this dynamic dealer context that we're talking about here. Part of that interview you can see at the video link below. The rest of it is available for Eurodollar members and subscribers. And if you are one, I thank you very much. And as always, everyone, please take care.